God said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. Thank you for joining episode 77, the Bryce Harper podcast, a good start in visions, the end result. I want to talk to you about this idea, concept, this purpose and meaning in our lives. Worship. We have got to understand our identity and purpose and meaning in life is directly connected to what we worship. We preach the word because of sin, but we worship the Lord because of design. That's what we were created to do. It is in our DNA to worship the Lord or to worship something. And the truth is, you and I are going to worship something. No, no, that's not me. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't worship anything. I don't, you know, I just live my life. I'm a good person. And that's fine to have that kind of principle, that kind of belief system, that kind of mantra in life. I don't think it's necessarily evil, but I will combat that and simply say you and I will worship something. It's just what we're created to do. It's what we're created for. We're created for worship. And so I love that when you see this in Scripture in Exodus 5, 7, 8, 9, and 10, those chapters, God's saying to Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go, not so that they can just be free, not that they can just be liberated. Let my people go so that they may worship me. God did not set us free from something, but for something. God did not set us free just from our past, but he set us free for our future. He did not just set us free from sin, but he set us free for him. He did not just set us free from our pain, but he set us free for his promise. God did not just want, say it like this, maybe God didn't want you off of drugs. He didn't want just that. He wanted you addicted to him. Because we will worship, we will be addicted, we will give our affection to something, we will worship something, we will follow something, so we must understand we need to worship the Lord. And we got to make that decision in our hearts and minds. In a society and world right now that is confused about their gender, about their beliefs, about their politics, they are, they are skeptical of a lot of things. When we understand, when we worship God, I like to say it like this. God, like, we're, like praising the Lord, we see this in Scripture, praising God is, is thanking Him for what He has done. Worshiping God is, is declaring who He is, is like telling Him who He is. We see that in a lot of our lyrics in worship currently, but I really do believe that. And and I and I begin to think about this. I begin to think, why do I have to tell the Lord who He is in worship when He already knows that? He He's not like, oh yeah yeah yeah, I am all powerful. That's great. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, yeah, I am almighty. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, yeah, I am good. 
I am faithful and I am merciful and I am just. And I, oh, thank you for reminding me of that. I, I believe when we worship the Lord through our lives, maybe through a worship service that you attend, through the way you raise your children and you love your spouse and you're a citizen and, and your community, and you're doing everything that you know right. I think all of that is worship, but I think it's interesting when we begin to think, what what is so significant about me you know, confessing, declaring, or proclaiming, or singing who God is when he already knows who he is. I believe the significance of that is because when we begin to confess and we begin to say to God who he is to us, God begins to say to us who we are to him. And again, that's when that identity, I let my people go so that they may work. That identity begins to be established. You and I begin to realize when I tell God who he is, he tells me who I am. And there is a world and a society and, and just generations of people in the world today that do not know who they are because they haven't confessed and declared who God is to them. That's why worship is so important. I used to I used to have seasons in my life where I was just kind of like, can we just kind of go ahead and get through the worship part of our church service? I'm ready to get to the word. I'm ready, ready to learn. I feel like I need like I already know all that. God already knows all that. I kind of already believe all that about God. I don't need to. But again, I begin to realize something very significant and spiritual is happening when I'm worshiping God. When I'm telling him who he is, he begins to tell me who I am. The Westminster Catechism worded like this. Um, it is a 400-year-old confession within Christendom. What is the chief goal of man? The answer is the chief goal of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In the very beginning with Adam and Eve, there was perfect communion, or, or you could say maybe perfect just kind of relational worship with humanity and divinity, where like that worship was I guess you could say was just perfected. Uh, but then Adam and Eve were deceived because they were not with God. Adam and Eve were not with God because they were given guidance and liberty to choose. Adam and Eve were given guidance and liberty to choose because true love is a choice. And Adam and Eve were presented with a choice because God wanted true worship. God wanted true, real, genuine, authentic. He wanted Adam and Eve to from he didn't want to force them he wanted them to choose i choose to love my wife my wife chooses to love me if either one of us were forced in that by any other outside forces then that love between us would not be true it would not be real god wants true worship god wants real real value in that connection so, so like, what is worship? I would say like this. Worship is anything you're willing to die for. Worship is where we place our value and passion upon. If you're willing to die for your faith, your relationship with God, I would say, man, you worship the Lord. You're willing to die for that. Maybe to say it a little nicer, a little more neater um, is, is, is this um, worship is what we place value upon. 
And what do we place value upon? Uh, we place value upon anything that we're willing to make any kind of like sacrifices for. Well, I'll connect it like this to try to pull the layers back. Worship is connected to our passion. Passion is connected to what we value. Value is connected to what we talk about. What we talk about is connected to what we think about. What we think about is what we are being taught or what we, what we are being informed with. See, Adam and Eve got away from God and their values, their passions, their talk, their thinking, their teaching, their information begin to shift and drift. Their distance from God caused them to dismiss what he said. We dismiss what God says when we forget who he is. They devalue what God said because they dismissed his presence. We devalue God's precepts when we dismiss his presence. A lot of people may know the Bible, but they do not know the God of the Bible. God is not desiring a religious duty, but relational proximity. God did not just want Adam and Eve to say no to an inferior paradigm. He didn't want to just them to say no to the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, but rather say yes to a superior way. Even he wanted them to have the option to choose, and he wanted them to still choose him. In the Ark of the Covenant, we're told is the law and Aaron's staff which represents revelation and power. And as the people of Israel are being delivered from Egypt, Moses begins to build a tabernacle on the Holy of Holies. This is where that Ark of the Covenant resides. And inside that Ark of the Covenant is, again, Aaron's staff and the law, revelation and power, word and spirit. God's presence was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God's presence was consistently with the people of God and the children of Israel moved into the promised land to the tabernacle and all that kind of moved around, found a place in Shiloh in the hill country. I, I got the honor of going there um, a couple of years ago in Israel. It's amazing to see that exact place. I got some rocks I picked up from the Holy of Holies where they, be- where they believe that tabernacle in Shiloh was. And throughout Judges, we see, you know, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. God's presence and power is nowhere to be found. Then David comes along, restores the tabernacle. Uh, But in David's tabernacle, the people worshiped before the ark. No high priest wasn't just like a high priest. There was no record of Holy of Holies, as is the case of Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple. Sacrifices were made as the ark was being brought into Jerusalem. But David's tabernacle... David's tabernacle had musicians and songs written by David, Asaph, and others. And worship through music is heavily seen during this time. And then Solomon comes around, builds a temple more to Moses' blueprint. You know, David had plans to do that, but he was this, like, war king. So he was very, very, very busy running for his life, all kind of different things throughout his kingship never really established that physical structure. Solomon did, built it to just huge. It was a lot. It was just larger than the original dimensions given to Moses. Uh, Two to three times bigger, what scholars say, wider and higher. Uh, Levites committed the ark ark to Solomon's temple from David's tabernacle. We see that in 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and 7. The priests would come out and Levites would play instruments and praise the Lord. And we see this and it's really beautiful 
it's like this like Moses era of like there there's like this mosaic and Davidic blend that's happening in Solomon's era. And I just wrote like this the best corporate worship is words that are theologically sound and musicianship that is relevantly profound. And then we get to the Temple of Zerubbabel uh, during 538-516 BC. Uh, was in place for about 500 years. Uh, Malachi, there's that 400 years of just intertestamental period of silence. Then the Temple of Herod in 20 BC. It's completed in AD 46, but then destroyed six years later by the Romans, fulfilling Jesus' words, "No one, not one stone will be left upon another. And we see that in Matthew 24, 2, John 2, 19. Jesus was restoring a new temple, a temple that could not be destroyed by man. There's three things I see in that and what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his presence, his power, his people, and his purpose. He's talking about God's presence, the power of God, God's people, or his priesthood, and God's purpose. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil separating the Holy of Holies and the rest of Herod's temple was torn. Where once we needed a high priest, Jesus became our high priest and made a way for all of us to be high priests and enter into the presence of God. This is great news. We don't need anyone to go to God on our behalf because Jesus did that. But here's the challenging news is that not one can go to God for us. Jesus has done that. So nobody can go. You might be thankful for your worship pastor. You might be thankful for your pastor. You might be thankful for different people that you follow and podcasts and but nobody can go to God except you through Jesus and what he has already done for us to be able to approach God boldly and too often man and especially western christianity to this day we come to church viewing worship as a means of entertainment we like we are here to be entertained in this moment But we are not here to be entertained. We are here to entertain the Lord. The Bible says if we lift him up, not us, not what we like, not not our preferences. When we lift up, not our preferences, but when we lift up his presence, when we lift up him, he will draw all men unto himself. And if we keep lifting up our preferences and we keep lifting up our desires and what we like and our will, then people would just be drawn to our desires and our will. But if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto himself. And when he gets lifted up, stuff happens. I mean, miracles happen. People get saved. And the biblical truth is that we are all called to be high priests, to come into the presence of God on behalf of ourselves, our families, our community, our our nation and world, and offer God our worship and receive his guidance and respond accordingly. In John 4, 23, the Lord is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb of God, are its temple. Professor David Campbell, Theos University, said the greatest exercise of our priesthood is to offer God is to the sacrifice of our praise. It is not something that anyone else can do for you. Worship is our highest privilege, is the ultimate expression of our relationship with God. Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Real quickly, Romans, Paul is writing this, chapters 1 to 11. He's telling everybody what God has done, what Jesus has done. And then Romans 12, the rest of the book, Paul's letting us know now this is what we need to do in response to what Jesus has done. And the hinge 
of this is Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, with everything that you have just heard about what Jesus has done, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Everything he just talked about. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We gotta we gotta understand we will never un, we will never be able to comprehend our identity and be authentic in who God's created us to be until we worship him. So many of us, man, with our social media and with our ambitions and different things, and man, I want people to go out there and be successful and and for their sales, you know, to be through the roof and everything to be up and to the right and and everything to hockey stick on the financial charts and everything to be growing and booming and in and, and ministry and in business for you, for your kids to be doing well and your marriage to be doing well and all that kind of stuff. But you can have all those things going on and still just feel void and feel just depleted of identity, of authenticity, of just purpose and meaning and value. And that's because we have a lack of understanding of what we were created to do. It wasn't just to do all of those things, but it was to worship God. And all those things can be worshiped to God if you have just adhered to the fact that, man, I am going to, I'm going to God on behalf of myself through Christ and what he's made available for me. So if you don't know the Lord, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, accept his sacrifice and what he's done for you, that he has torn the veil, that he has made a way for you into the Holy of Holies to experience the presence of God, the power and the, the power, spirit and the truth and the revelation and understanding of who God is. And in all of that, in telling God and proclaiming to God who he is to you, he begins to tell you who you are to him. And while you are trying to proclaim who you are to your society and to your generation and to the world around you, it will always, always fall short. But when God begins to tell you who you are, it changes everything. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. We preach because of sin, but we worship because of design, because that's what we're created to do. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining on this episode 77. A little discussion on worship. And don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.